Hello and welcome to episode 259 of At Odds with Wrestling. I am Adam and I am joined by Joe. Joe, why are you always sick? This is uh, propaganda that's being spread by Jonas, uh, a.k.a. Tammy Gucci, a.k.a. former editor of Pod Van Dam. I'm not always sick. It's been a very long time since I've been sick, but... Uh, this is like this was the big one, you know. This is the one that I've avoided for the last three and a half years. Is this the first time you got a case of Jovid? Yes, it is. Oh um, shit! Yeah. I, I'm on. I hit two. When I get to third, you get like a a, a freeze, like ice cream or some shit. <laughs> yeah. Um. So it's funny because um after dark comes out on Friday, which is the whole other thing. Like my like I was feeling something on Tuesday, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I said on After Dark, I'm like, oh, you know, my wife was sick on Sunday. She took a test and it came back negative. And then like Monday, my kid came home from school and he's like, no, nah, I'm not feeling good. And then he woke up um, Tuesday and he had like 103 fever. We're like, OK, take him to the doctor. Doctor runs the litany of tests on him. And because it was like not the at home COVID test, it was like the big one. They're like, all right, well, we'll set, we'll we'll contact you with the results. Right. And they called at, like, 8 in the morning on Wednesday. They're like, yeah, he has COVID. He has to stay home, you know, so on and so forth, right? Mm. So both me and my wife take the tests again. Now, Tuesday night, I'm like, I got the feelings of something. You know, like, my wife was sick on Sunday. My kid was sick on Monday, Tuesday. So I'm like, I'm probably coming down with something, but I'm taking all the preemptive measures. I, like, took an airborne. I'm taking NyQuil and DayQuil and stuff. And then I took the test. Like, I took my temperature, too. My temperature was fine. I took the test and like I've never seen those two lines show up. It's so dark, you know, <laughs> you got super mega COVID. Yeah. And then like maybe so that was like 830 in the morning on Wednesday. And then like at noon, I just got hit with like a hundred and two point whatever fever. And I've just not been able to shake it. I've taken like three cold showers in the last 24 hours um, like I'm putting cold packs on me. I'm just pouring sweat all the time. It sucks. Um, but like I still have, and that was the thing on Tuesday. I'm like, I still have my ta- my sense of taste. I still have my sense of smell. You know, I don't think I have it, but the tests don't lie and I don't want to take any chances. So, you know, Adam started the show. Um, now granted it's not the same feeling, but again, so like this is my kid's third time getting it and okay. this will transition into you. Uh, there was one time early in the pandemic, I was out mowing the lawn and I got stung by multiple wasps. Okay. And I started to have the symptoms of it. And my wife's like, I know you got stung by wasps, but it sounds like COVID. So I want you to go take like the mega test. So I had to go over to like the urgent care and take the tests and it came back as negative. Uh, but again, that shows you the dangers of mowing your own lawn. Oh, it's the worst. It's the absolute worst. I, uh, as you alluded to, like, I, so I always had a guy. I was a person that, like, back when I rented, uh, they, like, whoever owned the property just mowed. So, like, I haven't mowed a lawn since 2002, 2003, around there. And the entire time I've owned a house, I just had a landscaper. And I don't know if I, I complain about this on Twitter or on the podcast or whatever, but, like, a couple times ago that he was mowing, he's like, hey, there's bees in your backyard. Uh, can you take care of those? I, I don't think you mentioned on the show, but you definitely sent it to us in, like, DMs and stuff. Okay. Yeah, and so he was he was pissed. He sent me a picture of, like, these two spots in my yard, and we'll get into this in a second. Uh, I have a very, very big backyard, but it's also a hill. 
and there's a couple sections where the elevation changes of the hill and there are like logs that like are that are being used to like kind of support the ground you know what i'm saying it's at an angle then it drops off and it's at an angle and it drops off so the areas where there's logs uh, a bunch of yellow jackets moved in so my landscaper's like hey take care of this and i'm like all right and i went and i bought like all the sprays and the traps and i'm out there like spraying running away spraying running away doing all the things and like two weeks later he calls me up and he's like hey they're still there i'm not cutting your lawn until you take care of it so I'm like, all right, well, it's like already the fall, and I'm like, I guess I'll just take care of it for the rest of the season. And he threw a fit. He's like, that's how you're going to treat me after all these years? I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm trying to get rid of the DMBs. I can't. Yeah. So uh, I'm like... I'd be like, I'm open to suggestions. You yeah, know, you exactly. Yeah, like, what do you want me to do? I dropped X amount of money. I poured so much poison on them, and they're not going away. Yeah, these are definitely, like, super fucking bees or whatever. Uh, so... Uh, my buddy who lives in a condo no longer needs his lawnmower and he's like, just take it, please. You'll be doing me a favor, get it out of my garage. So I take the lawnmower and I decide the other day, um, I forget if this was Saturday or Friday. It was Friday. Um, all right, I'm going to mow the lawn. I look at my watch. It's like noon. I'm like, all right, this should only take like an hour or two. I get out the hedge clippers because I'm like, oh, when I'm done mowing the lawn in like an hour, I'll, I'll do the hedges. Maybe like, I don't know, like I'll, I'll paint. I'm like, oh, I'll make a whole day of it. I don't know. <laughs> so I mow my front lawn. My front yard, my front yard, uh, yard is pretty much the same size as your front lawn. It's not very large and it's flat. I'm like, okay, sure. bang, bang that out in like a minute or two. A uh, minute? Yeah, it's it's nothing. I run into a snake or two, like gardener snakes. I'm like, hey, what's up, snakes? You're cool with me. Uh, <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, it's time to do the backyard. And I got maybe 20% of it done. And I'm dying. It's probably 90 degrees out. It's super humid. I didn't think this through. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to go smoke a cigarette. You know, jump on the phone for a little bit, cool off, go back outside. And I did this like three times, like work for 20 minutes, half hour, go back inside, work for a half hour, go back inside. And after like almost two hours, I had maybe 60% to 70% of the lawn done, but I didn't have any of the steepest part of the yard done. Like Ah. I strategically avoided that. And so the... Long story short, the next day I decided to do the the trimming with the the clippers of all the shrubbery and whatnot. And then on day three, I went and did the steepest part of the yard. And after all that, like over three days of working on this, I was in the most physical pain that I've been in since like maybe doing wrestling in 99 2000 i felt like i got hit by a bus things hurt on me that haven't hurt on me in years like i i'd have to google the muscles to know what they were my hands hurt my forearms hurt uh but as of right now everything except for the neutral zone that i've declared as off limits between me and the bees uh everything but those areas are are mowed so there are some some patches that i'm just like okay that's their territory if they want to mow it they can but i'm gonna leave it alone i i've noticed a lot of people not just you and obviously me i've always had issues with wasp and bees and shit in my yard but i think dj and a couple other people had mentioned that they've noticed an uptick in the amount of like those sort of insects in and around their areas lately 
It's probably something like global warming or whatever, you know? Well, I remember like two years ago, we were we were being told that like bees are almost extinct. And I'm like, come to my house. You'll know they're not fucking extinct, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not even, they're not like bees, the ones that do the pollinating that are cool. Like those are the ones that are going extinct. But yellow jackets who just exist to be dicks, yeah. <laughs> like they're apparently fine. Right. Uh, Earlier in the fall, I had, do you ever have carpenter bees? And, and welcome to At Odds with Bees, by the way. Uh, have you ever had carpenter bees, which are like the really big black ones, look like the size of like a golf ball? Yeah. So those guys were, were digging into the windowsill of my garage, and I put traps for them, and it wiped them out. Within like a week, they were they were gone, and then the yellow jackets showed up. So I'm pretty sure I killed the natural predator of the thing that's haunting me now. <laughs> so, I might have been the one that caused this. I don't know. I, I will say I give you credit for like having you know, and I was going to give you a hard time and say, "Oh, fancy gentleman," you know, um, that you've always had a landscaper come and do these sort of things. <laughs> I've always mowed my lawn. Ever since I've lived in my house, which is now, you know, coming up here on almost 20 years, right? Yeah. And I think me and the guy next door to me are the only people on my entire street that mow their lawn. Everybody else hires somebody else to do them. Now, granted, a lot of the people are older folks, like, in their, like, 60s and up or whatever, right? And there's, like, kids don't go around, like, offering to mow your lawn anymore. That's not a thing anymore. Yeah. But you don't know how many times I've gone there and they park their truck in front of my house to mow like the guy across the street or the guy next door or whatever. And I just want to go out and like, listen, you already got all your shit here. I'm going to give you an extra 20 bucks. Do my lawn. Right. Uh-huh. But I never do it. I think about it all the time. But I'm like, no, there's like a little bit of pride. But I tiptoe that line between it's a thing that I hate to do and becoming a lawn guy. You know? <laughs> It's all like you have it groomed in a certain way. It's like a ballpark. Uh, So it's not that far. I don't let myself get that far, but like I'm really obsessive about like the edging and stuff. And a bit of an edge lord? uh, Not like, not a lord, but like uh, very aware of the edge. An edge. Um, (laughs) And I, I definitely like when it doesn't look even when I'm done, I'm very upset with myself because I really like. I really try to make sure that everything looks even. And when there's a spot or something that I missed and I notice it like two days later, I'll go and get the lawnmower and I'll just mow that one spot. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, I already have the mower out. I'm just going to mow this like whole area again. Right. Yeah. That's the worst part is that I like I finished that project over the course of like maybe four days. So, yeah. I started Friday. I went to the toy show on Saturday. We'll talk about later. And then Sunday was football. So Monday and Tuesday is when I finished it. So it was a three-day project that took five days. And it's probably due to be done again in a couple days. This is bullshit. Right. So I'm I'm due to give the lawn the full mow on Saturday. But we'll see how I'm feeling, you know? Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll hire back my landscaper. I don't know. Out of the principle of the matter, I enjoyed not, like, not paying them. But- right. Oh, it kicked my ass. I don't. I don't know if you're too proud. How much? Uh, how much was this guy whacking you to do your lawn? Uh, it, it was originally fifty bucks, and like I said, if you look at it, like I've chopped around, and he was a lot cheaper than anybody else quoted sure. me. 
And then during the pandemic, he did the whole, oh, gas is going up, so it's got to go up to 55. But it's funny, when gas went back down, it didn't go down. Uh, but yeah, 55 bucks. And But the, the guy would come over, he'd mow it if it didn't need it. Like, uh. you would have, like, like the two weeks in a row where it would be, like, 90 degrees and nothing was growing. And, and, like, you can go out there with a measuring tape and, like, the grass didn't go up even a millimeter. And he'd mow it just to put his hand out and ask for the money. Right, because he's on the clock for the two we- every two it, weeks. Exactly. Um, and, like, I would try to, like, put stuff off and be like, oh, I think he's going to come tomorrow. Let me text him. Hey, man, grass doesn't need to come over. You don't need to, you know, maybe push me off a few days. And he would just show up anyways. So I'm kind of glad he's gone. Yeah, I'm I'm glad for you. Thanks. All right. I'll have good calf muscles from this, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get into some uh, wrestling talk, huh? I guess. And now, At Odds with Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. All right, so it's a short This Day in Wrestling History. Uh, but uh, we have a lot of clips. Okay. All right. So on this day in wrestling history, uh, 26 years ago, uh, World Championship Wrestling held their fall brawl pay-per-view from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Uh, this show is probably most remembered for the lead-up to this. Uh, the War Games match of the NWO taking on the Four Horsemen. Uh, this is when the NWO did the Horseman parody. Okay, yeah, we covered that. Well, I think we we talked about covering it, but we didn't do it. Right. I think we probably I think we probably played the clip when those Mondays were like our like a year ago. A year yeah. ago like two like a year ago two weeks ago we probably played that clip, right? Gotcha. Um this is when Kurt Henning who had debuted in W uh, 3 months prior was still playing hokey pokey Izzy a horseman, is he with Team WCW? Is he with the NWO? Um, it was very clear that he was with the NWO. The only one who didn't believe that he was with the NWO was Ric Flair. Uh, Ric Flair gets turned on by Kurt Henning, and they do the gimmick where they slam the cage door on Ric Flair's head, uh, which was an excuse for Ric Flair to go get um, uh, a facelift. <laughs> I still argue to this day, like, obviously, WCW is obsessed with putting everybody in the NWO, especially people that were recently over in WWF. But, like, if Hennig stayed in the Horseman, like, maybe the Horseman would have had legs into that era, you know, because it was dead and buried by this point. <sighs> it was dead and buried with the Pillman stuff. Oh, like when a big Pil- fan of the Roma. <laughs> well, that was before that. Oh, okay. but I, I think like they had like a little bit of something with when they had it was Flair, Arn, um, Pillman, and like Mongo. It was Benoit. Mo- oh, oh, that's right, because Arn wasn't wrestling anymore. So like Arn was like the spokesperson. Right, Flair, Benoit, Mongo, and Pillman, and then Pillman goes off and does like the shoot half shoot thing with. Um, Sullivan to get out of his contract, and I think that is what finally killed the Horseman. Yeah, and that was ninety five. That was like that was early ninety six. That would have been like February of ninety six. Gotcha. So I'm just saying, like, if you're trying to build brands, instead of just constantly padding the resume of the NWO, you get some of these other stables over keeping Hennig in the 
in the Horseman would have been a good idea hindsight wise. So it, I think where the NWO really failed, and you know we could litigate this until we're blue in the face, is the NWO technically should have been guys that jump from WWF to WCW. Mm-hmm. So like you could have teased a thing like Luger being in the NWO would have made sense. Macho being in there would have made sense. Sting, no. And then when they start like adding like your Conans and your Buff Bagwells and your peoples like that, like that doesn't make any sense. But whatever, like it's 25, 26 years ago. Who cares? Right. Yeah. Kind of like the the main event mafia. It's all these guys that were big stars outside of TNA. Right. And then like once those guys start getting scooped back up by WWF for contract or like we'll put Eric Young in there. And yeah. like, who do we have available? You it know, was, it was a Tito Ortiz in there at one point. Yeah. Was like shit like that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so then, of course, we have our uh, Monday Night Raw versus Monday Nitro head-to-head 25 years ago. Um, Raw is a tough one only because this episode of Raw is one of those show-long storyline deals. Okay. Uh, involving, Kane. I know you're going to be surprised with this, Kane and Undertaker and Stone Cold and Vince. What? Vince <laughs> and Undertaker and, and Stone Cold getting a ton of TV time in 98? Yes. So the whole crux of the storyline is building up to whatever the next In Your House pay-per-view is. That it's a triple threat match of Undertaker, Kane, and Stone Cold for the title. And it's set up on this episode of Raw that to win the match, Stone Cold has to pin one of those two. Or one of those two have to pin Stone Cold. Like, Kane can't pin Undertaker. Undertaker can't pin Kane. And we're still all being led to believe, are Kane and Undertaker in collusion together? Okay. Okay. So there's your A story. I'm more focused on your B and your C and F stories, right? Okay. This is also the beginning of The Rock's baby face turn? All right. Where, like, he yells at the nation and he comes out and helps mankind when mankind is getting double teamed by Kane and Undertaker who are not working together, but are definitely working together to fight mankind. I don't remember the rock being a baby face prior to being the corporate champ, but okay. Well, we're going to get there when we get there. Um, so it's the October in your house pay-per-view they do a one-on-one match with Rock versus Mark Henry, and Mark Henry, as a heel, beats The Rock as a babyface, right? And going into Survivor Series' deadly game, The Rock is a babyface. Hmm. Okay. And that's, it starts here. So The Rock does, like, a babyface turn for two months and then becomes the corporate champion at Survivor Series. All right. I, you only remember the highlights. All the lowlights... <laughs> Blend it together. This is more of a way to get The Rock out of the nation, which is like the B-level heel group, into the A-level heel group of the of the corporation. Yeah. Okay. But that all kind of starts here. Also, we get, like, this is the second week in a row that Edge and Gangrel have wrestled each other on Raw to a non-finish. Hmm. I wonder if that'll lead to anything. Well, we until we get to the debut of Christian, I won't get too much into it. Um, this is also the debut in the crowd of Tori. If you remember Tori Sable's stalker. Ah, I love a good stalking gimmick back in the yes. day. <laughs> um, but also, if you remember from a couple weeks ago, just on a random episode of Raw, um, 
Lord Steven Regal made his debut in a random match, right? Mm. He looked like shit. He came out to, like, you know, some generic music or whatever it was, and it was just one match. Well, now they've decided to to put a little WWE spice on him, right? All right, play it. This was the first of these vignettes. The great outdoors, full of beauty and natural wonder. Fresh air, blue skies, tall trees. A lesser human might be humbled by its grandeur. But not this man. There's not a tree in the forest he can't <laughs> cut down to size. Meet Stephen Regal, a man's man. It looks like old man Miz. <laughs> the costume thing is Mick Foley. <laughs> Miz wished he looked that cool. <laughs> oh, how now, many how many weeks before I get to hear the song? That's all I care about. Uh, it's got to be at least three to four weeks because I remember two more vignettes and then he debuts. Um, he's in the Deadly Game tournament, so it might be longer than that. But I know there's at least another three to four weeks of vignettes. Oh man! All right, that's how we did things back then. He's a man. (laughs) All right. So over on the distinguished competition. He's a real man's man. Sorry. Did you ever see the bit where him and uh, Danielson had a match? Yeah, and they played the song uh, as a a rib, yeah. That was good stuff. (laughs) All right, distinguished competition. Distinguished competition, okay? It's the night after uh, Fall Brawl, the worst war games in the history of things. Now, this is one of those episodes where I wish there was, like, a a through-line thread, because there was not one but two good Jericho segments on Thunder this week. Mm. But there was no Jericho segments on on Nitro this week, so I have no excuse to play them. You could have just told us that there was, like, a recap. Nobody would go back and check. Uh, This is the beginning of Jericho doing the Goldberg entrance. Oh, man, and you're not playing that? All right, you're going to make me go hunt it down now. I am. Ah, this is like, I guess this is when Jericho was like, what would the Thunder equivalent of being a Collider be? Well, no, he was he was on both shows, but it would just be like sometimes angle progression would happen on one show and sometimes it would happen on the other show. There was no rhyme or reason to it, you know? Yeah, I gotcha. Um, I'm looking for the Jericho segment. I might trim this up in the edit, you know? We'll see. Oh, I love that scene. I know. (laughs) Listen, I know. I know. It's frenzy. (laughs) No one knows more than me. I was listening to, uh, I was catching up on Between the Sheets this week, and there was like an interview with um, Shane Douglas from 2002 where he was just like burying the shit out of Francine, just like motherfucking her like nobody's business, right? Oh, Gary. I know. Okay, so here we go. This is, let's pretend this was recapped on Nitro, okay? I'm sure it was in, like, some markets. Go ahead. Right. We're going to see this uh, Jericho entrance. We're going to follow Jericho, a la Goldberg here. I hate uh, that they have to Let's see what he's got in store for the Jericho-holics. Debut for outfits. No expense for outfits. Oh, shit. Jericho-holic ninja. (laughs) Is somebody kidding me? Come on, baby, here we go. We're gonna walk it <laughs> Is this? Hello, it's like Jericho made bail. Now, Chris, no. 
Broom yeah, closet. Yep, yeah, broom closet, Chris. Wrong door. Security right on top of things. Well, it, it, it is a big building, guys. Come on. Sure, that's not Dillinger in that one shirt? No, it's not. Well, I, no, it's not. No. Close. I hate how they set oh, it up as we're this going first, to follow Aaron. Jericho's entrance like that. That's a that's a wall. Oh, in a room like that here. Right, they should have. Yeah. He's lost. It's two on the nose. <laughs> it's right. Yeah. This, is, this is good. And I'm sure the Jericho-holics out there, and I'm sure there are only about three or four of you out there watching, uh, they're enjoying all of it. Hey, Jericho, we only got the building till midnight. By the time you find the ring, you'll have to shave again. Now, you're, I'm going to point out something here to you here. Okay, okay here this we go. is it. This is the door, right? Jericho, Jericho uh -oh. went outside. Now watch the door. <laughs> oh, no. It opens, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Raph is watching on here. Hey, you know, they can sound the bell. Raph can win this thing. Well, not on a count out. I, I, I know he doesn't want that. He wants to shout the television bell here. You're right. It is a little bit amusing, and it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. But the fact of the matter is, Raph wants to get in there, tangle with this guy, and legitimately take that strap off of him and become TV champion of the world. I want to know where his security went. Chris Jericho has been locked out of the building. Is this a first in pro wrestling or what? I mean, that's good. The security's up with the nacho and soft pretzel guy, by the way. Yeah, I don't know. Is he screaming at security or not? That's the hardest Jericho's tried to get into a building since January 6th. Oh, that's his wife. But um, so again, so Wrath goes out and gets him and everything. But like, even if like that's it's such a poorly set up shot, like Jericho tries to fake like the door is locked and opens and then in that last shot like in the distance you see someone come outside through another door <laughs> um there's a thought that counts that didn't bother me yeah so unrelated this is also the beginning of them doing an undefeated streak with wrath okay um which will have a payoff in about two and a half months where he probably jobs to Goldberg or something like that. You're very, you're so close. You're so <laughs> close, Adam. You're so close. But I wanted to play the Jericho segment, which means we're going to dump another clip. Um, on this episode of Nitro, you know, obviously you've got the continuing Hogan Warrior stuff. There's no Warrior promo this week, but this is the week that he kidnaps um, Brother Brutai to recruit him into the One Warrior Nation. Okay. Uh, this is also the beginning of during um, Rick Steiner matches. There's a mysterious laugh that is piped in over the PA system. All right, I don't remember that. Okay, that is a now that is a payoff at Halloween Havoc. But I have a feeling I might have to play that clip when it comes up because it's worth <laughs> it. All right. Uh, this is also the beginning of the drunk Scott Hall angle. Okay, <laughs> just the angle, you know, he's acting. Right, so uh, this is one of those things where, um, you know, to, to play off of his actual real personal issues, which were at the time very bad, um, like getting into fights with people, um, security people, groping like fans at mixers, getting into a very public divorce with his wife over this, so they decided to make it into a storyline. Sure. Right. Makes sense, yeah. But the big one, Adam. So it has been almost five months since Ric Flair has been on WCW TV. 
back when WWF started to turn the tide in the ratings, they were going to do a Horseman reunion show on an episode of Thunder unannounced. Ric Flair had already gotten time off to go to one of Reed's wrestling meets. Mm -hmm. So Bischoff decided to sue Ric Flair and hold him in breach of contract. Yeah, I remember. The two, the two sides have been going back and forth with each other uh, for months. Now, we haven't been playing the clips of them because, again, a lot of them are on Thunder. But it was set up that on this episode of Nitro, Arn Anderson was going to announce the new Four Horsemen. Ooh. Heads are going to roll! So, said it. Be careful what you wish for, because now you have it. Oh, what a goof! What a goof! You know, I get accused of getting racked in the head a few times and having a little touch of Alzheimer's. My God, I almost forgot the fourth horseman, Ric Flair! Get on down here! Here we go! Okay. Now I'm going to wait for Flair to come out. And I'm going to sip ahead. Because once Flair comes out, his walk to the ring and him getting into the ring, it's literally the crowd on their feet cheering for three minutes. Non-stop. Hmm. Well, they're in the Carolinas. Listen. So we're like, we're just going to zip ahead a little bit here. And we're probably going to play all of this. All right. I'm almost embarrassed by the response, but when I see this, I know that the 25 years that I spent trying to make you happy every night of your life. I just want to point out there, uh, 25 years ago, Ric Flair was saying 25 (laughs) years ago. Okay, and Ric Flair's still doing it today, right? To an extent. Great. I don't know if he's making people happy these days. But. Well, those people that he signed autographs for in the produce section of the Giant Eagle out in Cleveland this past weekend were very happy. Alright, makes sense. Was worth every damn minute of it. Now, somebody told me that the horsemen were having a party tonight in Greenville. Could that be true that the most elite group 
Bischoff said was dead is alive and well. Bischoff, this might be my only shot. And I gotta tell you, I'm gonna make it my best. Is this what you call a great moment in TV? It's wrong because this is real. This is not bought and paid for. It's a real life situation. Just like the night in Columbia, South Carolina, when you look at me, tears in my eyes, and said, God, that's good TV. It was real. Art Anderson passed the torch. It was real, damn it. You think Sting was crying in the dressing room like I was on TV if it wasn't real? This guy, my best friend, is one of the greatest performers to ever live. And you, you squashed him in one night. Then you get on the phone and tell me, disband the horsemen, they're dead. Disband the horsemen. Me, you know what? I looked at myself in the mirror the next day and I saw a pathetic figure that gave up and quit. And for that, I owe you, the wrestling fans, I owe these guys. Well, we're not done yet. It's not the whole promo. I wish the whole promo was online, but we got this to close things out. You're an overbearing asshole. That's right. <laughs> you're an obnoxious, you're an obnoxious, overbearing ass. Abuse upon you. I've quoted this so many times at work. Oh, wait. <laughs> yep. You will it's never, ever wrestle You suck. You, I hate your gut. I hate your gut. So, your history. You are a liar. You're a cheat. You're a scam. You are a no good son of a bitch. <laughs> Fire me. I'm already fired. Mm. Fire me. I'm already fired. <laughs> oh. So you need the setup to get to that point. I love the whole promo, but you know it's real because Bischoff comes out in his polo shirt tucked into his jeans, not his <laughs> guy Eric. Uh, uh, a leather jacket, right? Yeah, that's his San Francisco jersey. Like his giant jersey, yeah. (laughs) And Flair saying, abuse of power, you, and fire me, I'm already fired, are two of my favorite lines in history. (laughs) Not just in wrestling, just any time of people speaking. (laughs) Great moments in public speaking, yeah. Like, ask not what you can do for a country. Nothing to fear but fear itself. And fire me. I'm already fired. 
So this is WCW <laughs> attempting to do a bunch of reality-based storylines. You know, taking the heat between Bischoff and Flair and turning it into a storyline. Taking Scott Hall's alcoholism and turning it into a storyline. Which I get, right? Mm. But then you're doing these things on a show where, like, the ultimate warrior is showing up with smoke and mirrors. And, like, it's... It doesn't fit, you know? And, like, I know you're going to come back and say, well, WWE has, you know, these reality-based storylines and Kane and Undertaker doing magic. I say Undertaker's <laughs> kind of grandfathered in with doing magic, right? Yeah. I mean, AEW will have, like, a Blackpool Combat Club segment, and then they'll have, like, House of Black being spooky. It's kind of the same thing, you know? It's a, you get a little bit of mix of column A and column B. So... Being spooky is one thing, but, like, Malachi Black isn't doing magic. No, I get you. I get you. It's just, it's toned down a little bit. Yeah. Now, as soon as Malachi Black or Brody King or uh, Buddy Matthews or Julia Hart start doing magic, then I'll come back and I'll be like, all right, I was wrong. I shouldn't have, you know. (laughs) Like, make somebody, like, bleed black paint out of their hair, you know? (laughs) Something, you know. (laughs) All right. Uh, but this is the build to uh, Flair and Bischoff at Starcade. Okay. And again, I, I give credit because, like, the, like we're in September, and it, it stinks because the storylines are all bad. But on this Nitro alone, the night after uh, Fall Brawl, WCW is starting to build multiple storylines for their big event of the year, Starcade. Now, people will say that Halloween Havoc is their big show of the year, and I guess it's like their biggest moneymaker, because as long as Macho Man was on the show, Slim Jim was footing a chunk of the bill, so they'd make a ton of money from it. Mm-hmm. But, like, Starcade's their WrestleMania, right? Let's not kid ourselves. Yeah. Um, but it's, there's it's, mo- I was just going to say, it's funny to have wcw doing multiple storylines because by the time we start watching wcw 2000 i feel like they have a storyline per two-hour nitro well again it's another thing where there are multiple storylines and i could tell you what they all are but they're (laughs) all terrible yeah (laughs) they're either terrible or like the most basic paint by number storylines which is fine if you don't have a good idea you could just have guy wants title you know and like that's a good enough storyline um and then like other guy wants title. Now these two guys are fighting to see who gets to be for the champ, like to fight for the title. What they didn't win the match. Now they both get the title match. And like, it's, it's a lot of easy paint by numbers stuff, but eh, anyway, um, I love that flair stuff. Fire me. I'm already fired. Abuse of power. You, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, me too. But this is the beginning of like crazy, fucking out of his gourd on TV every week Ric Flair as well. Take off the jacket, give it uh, an elbow drop. Yeah. Drop the knee on it. (laughs) This is kind of where that starts. And, you know, like I said, we're still three months away from Starcade. This is the beginning of the the match with him and Bischoff. Um, And I don't remember what Nitro it's on, but, like, uh, it takes a decidingly, like, dark turn. And they immediately try to course correct the following week. But we'll get there when we get there. All right. Looking forward to it. All right. So, Adam, since you started the show, um, it would only make sense for you to start with what we liked or what we want to talk about from this past week in wrestling. All right. Mixing it up. I like that. Um, 
Joe, I, I kind of, you know, I mean, we're coming out of something really funny, talking about the flare, fire me, I'm already fired. And I hate to bring the show down, um, but I feel like it would be negligent if I didn't start off with this. And I just want to say, um, I've played along for a while. You know, at first it was, I was hesitant and I resisted, but then I started playing along and I, I might even say that I started to genuinely fall for the, uh, the appeal, the allure of a certain L.A. Knight. And for a while, I, I started to, to find myself in the camp of other L.A. Knight-pilled people like you and the people in our Discord. But Joe, something happened this past week, and thank God for social media, because I don't watch WWE or else this might have escaped my radar. And I, I just have to say that I can't allow this to pass, and... I don't know if I could describe it, so I'm just going to have to play it for you. And I'm just, I, I need a minute. Go ahead. Oh, you're going to play it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let me hit play. Hold How's on. that song of his go? I came to play, right? Now, if I was a complete moron, I'd say, let's look at that adjective. But I'm not a moron, so I'm going to say, let's look at that verb, play. I didn't come here to play, Miz. This is where the big boys oh, play, huh? Look at this. Look at the adjective. Play. We ain't here to play. How's look that? Look at that. I, I, uh, you, how cool was that that you got the side-by-side -side comparison? I, I worked hard on finding that. And, <laughs> Joe, you can say a lot of bad things about a lot of great wrestlers. If he insulted Shawn Michaels, I would have not agreed with him, but I would have let it slide. If he insulted Mr. Hitman, hell, I would have been right there beside him just, you know, shaking his hand. But I will be damned if you're going to go on national TV and say something bad about Kevin Nash, call him a big idiot or whatever the hell he said, a complete moron. Yes. Fuck you, L.A. Knight. L.A. Knight is dead to me as of this second. I'm done. I'm done. I don't care how many people pop for him. I don't care if he gets the, the bullshit raw world title from Seth Rollins. Uh, I don't want him on my TV. Not that I'm watching anyways. I am mad at you, LA Knight. And until you do something to, to redeem yourself, um, I don't know if I can ever forgive him. Well, I, I had LA Knight in my notes uh, this week anyway, you know, because it, it wouldn't be a week if I didn't. LA <laughs> I could play the whole thing, but I'm not gonna. Um, so, uh, on, also on SmackDown this week, they did his first brush up against Paul Heyman as well. Mm -hmm. I don't. I hope Paul Heyman doesn't sully himself with the trash that is LA Knight. Let me ask you this, Joe. Before you bounce around this, do you are you defending LA Knight in his comments against Big Sexy Kevin Nash? So I'm torn. Okay. Because uh, before you finish that, because I say you're either with Kevin Nash or you're against him. Can't I be for both? No. Battle lines are drawn. Pick a side. Now, I ha now, this is the thing. I have to wait for Kevin Nash's rebuttal, which unfortunately, because he records his podcast on a Wednesday and they don't release it until the following Monday, we won't get his rebuttal until next week from a thing that happened a week ago as we're talking about it. Um, but for weeks, nay months on his podcast, Kevin Nash took shot after shot at L.A. Knight. 
And that's and fine I, if you're Kevin Nash. You can take shots at anybody you want. Oh, can I pull up all the remarks and comments that Kevin Nash has made about your precious Phil? That's fine. If I had to choose between Precious Phil and Kevin Nash or picking Kevin Nash, I don't see how this is difficult. So I have to wait to see what Kevin Nash's rebuttal is only because it was a point where Kevin Nash was talking such mad shit on L.A. Knight. You could only go one of two ways, which is what I thought L.A. Knight was doing one way, which was just ignoring it, right? Mm -hmm. Which would just be the best thing to do. But Kevin Nash has been relentless against the guy. So... He works for a company that we're led to believe is run by Kevin Nash's best friend, Paul. And I'm pretty sure that line probably got cleared by Paul, who probably gave Kev a heads up. But I can't really comment on it for sure, because I'm going to guess the fact that LA Knight waited this long to say something is that these parties, probably through Triple H came to some sort of agreement that, like, I'm going to take a shot at you on TV. Are we cool? Okay. Uh, I, I I don't buy it. I don't like right. it. The whole thing stinks. I think you need to pick a side, and uh, it, the, the choice is clear. Not, I mean, it can't not be unlike, clear. Not unlike many people uh, before us, I, in, this, in, in this particular instance, I'm a fence-sitter. I'm not going to pick a side. I'm picking both sides. I hope we get a Mark picture of the two of them saying we worked all is, which is, I think what we're going to get. Mm. All right. If that happens and only if that happens, I might be willing to allow LA Knight back into my television, my household. But until then, you can come on the show and eat my John Cena hat. How about that? <laughs> all right. Yeah. Until then, uh, at the very least LA Knight's on notice. All right. Uh, so we, we crossed over on that, but I'll, I'll go next and I'll say uh, Becky Lynch winning the NXT title. Yeah, I saw uh, like on like Twitter or something like that, that she was going to NXT and I still record NXT and I was like, oh, I'll check out Cora Jade, see what's going on. And uh, you know, like I never got a chance to and I saw like the the hashtag in new women's champion. I'm like, all right, well, it's spoiled, but. Uh, that's cool, I guess, you know, because they've been sprinkling a bunch of people with Dom down there and uh, Baron Corbin and uh, a lot of people are like regulars. Ricochet was down there for a while. He's I don't mind it. Person. Can, can you really get the full breadth of what Cora Jade's up to if it's not a full Instagram photo shoot? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you can kind of get the gist of it, but okay. uh, if I if I need any more detail, I will just go and look at those pictures. I've saved them in case anything should happen to them. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. So you could look at um, like I'm, I like Becky Lynch. You know, like I, I think she like no one will ever say she's the greatest between the ropes wrestler. But when it comes to WWE sports entertainers, I don't think there's anyone better. And I think just her being in NXT is going to help a lot of the people down there just getting time to be with her, spend time with her, talk to her, learn from her, be in the ring with her, whatever it is. Like, she was all over the show. She was in, like, multiple backstage segments, different people on the show rubbing up against her. Um, not literally, like you and Cole <laughs> Jade. Um, but, like, this definitely feels like um, Becky saying, like, hey, I still want to work. But, like, there's really nothing for me to do on the main roster right now. 
Um, so, like, why don't I go down to NXT for a couple months and, like, play play a little bit down there? But then you could also look at it like, oh, the same week that Becky decides to go down to NXT is also the same week that, like, Charlotte's push is renewed. They bring Nia Jax back full time. And Becky's like, you know what? I'm good. I'm good. I, I assume she, well, no, do you think she lives in Florida? Like all the wrestlers live yeah, in Florida. Yeah, I think pretty much Texas. everybody in WWE lives either Florida or Florida adjacent for the most yeah. part. Yeah, so it's like, oh, you don't have to travel for a couple weeks, you know? Just spend time with her kid, you can't beat that. Right. Putting the NXT title on your resume, you know, in the WWE world is impressive because she never had it the first time around, you know? Right. But, yeah, no, I mean, that's cool. I'm still not going to watch, but good for her. I was you were mentioning uh, that, like, Becky Lynch, you know, nobody's going to ever say that she's the greatest in-ring worker or anything. But, like, she was probably the first, I don't want to say, in my opinion, the first woman wrestler in WWE that, like, you cared about the storyline and the character more yeah. than, like, watching, oh, that's just a pretty girl. You know, like you watch it like back in the day, Trish Stratus or Sable or, you know, or whoever. And you're like, oh, it's a pretty girl. And if the match is fine, whatever. But like the the man and her with the busted up face and all that stuff, like that was shit where you were kind of treating it. I hate to say this, but you were treating it equally, you know, for the first time ever. Right. Like when they brought, you know, as they call them, the four horsewomen up from NXT of Charlotte, of Bailey of Sasha, of Becky. Becky was very clearly pegged as number four in that group. Yeah, because she was you know, like the Irish jig dancer. Right, she was not, no, well, actually, so by the time steampunk, that she... Oh, yeah, she was steampunk girl by this She time. was steampunk girl by that point, yes. Um, yeah. But, like, she was, like, looked at as, like, eh, she's a good hand. If these three need someone to work and have a decent match with, she's here, you know? Yeah. And it would have been weird if they called up three of the four horsewomen and left her down there. She was definitely looked at for, like, the first, like, five, six months that she was on the, the, the main roster as an afterthought. Yeah. And she made her oper- her own opportunity. She saw the opening. The crowd really took to her. And it was one of those few times where, like, when it happens and it's lightning in a bottle like that and WWE sees that crowd reaction. Now, granted, they did do it immediately. I think we talked about this before in the show where, like, they do the whole thing where, you know, um, she has the match at SummerSlam with Charlotte. She costs. It's a triple threat or whatever it is. And people are already sick of Charlotte at that point. Um, and Becky was supposed to very clearly be turning heel. And when she did, the crowd cheered her yeah. and then the next night on raw she cut a promo where she was like you stupid fans and everything else like that and the crowd cheered her and then they completely pivoted by that week's smackdown and like okay she's a baby face now you know yeah it was very austin 316 of like the early stages of that you know yeah it's supposed to be a heel but you're just such an awesome shit kicker that you want to root for her. yeah yeah and so, like, and the fact that she's down in NXT, that could only help the the, the wrestlers there. That could only help the, the visibility of the brand. Because, no offense, Dominic Mysterio has that belt so that he could walk around on TV with the rest of the Judgment Day with a belt. Yeah. Rick, Ricochet going down there means nothing. Baron Corbin going down there means nothing. Becky Lynch going down there means something. Yeah. I mean, it, it's a different era of NXT, but the closest thing is maybe pre-pandemic when Balor went there. Yeah, yeah, there returned. you go. You know, you're supposed to work Walter, and he worked a bunch of people. But, all right, cool. Good for Becky Lynch. 
Yes. Um, my other thing is, uh, I have obviously been a fan of, and therefore must continue to cover all of the Adam Cole. I'm sorry. Hold on. Adam Cole stuff (laughs) (laughs) and the stuff with MJF. And when the, uh, I have another bit of audio I want to play, but just bear with me. I want to set it up. We are getting the fallout from last week's television. So this is basically a pre-tape, which is the sometimes the best kind of Max. But I will argue that as of recently, uh, Max has been pretty good in the ring on the mic. But uh, we have MJF with the incomparable Renee Paquette and Adam Cole backstage. And MJF, he's talking about Samoa Joe. And he busts out this thing out of nowhere, and I popped so hard. I'm going to go ahead and hit play now. And you might not realize this, but this New York pit bull's got a whole lot of bite. September 20th Grand Slam, you better pray to God you don't win this tournament, Joe. Because let me make you a promise that is crystal clear. If you wrestle me, I am going to choke you out. I repeat, if you wrestle me, I promise on my life, I am going to choke you out. And if you don't believe me, let me get it through your thick, fat skull with some simple math. See, normally if you go one-on-one with another wrestler, you got a 50-50 chance of winning. But I'm a genetic (laughs) freak and I'm not normal. So you got a 25% chance at best to beat me. Then you add my boy Cole watching my back to the mix, your chances of winning drastically go down. See, at our match at Grand Slam, you got a 33 and one-third chance of winning, but I got a 66 and two-third chance of winning because everyone in New York knows you can't beat me. So Samoa Joe, you take your 33 and one-third chance minus my 25% chance, and you got an eight and one-third chance of winning at Grand Slam. But then you take my 75% chance of winning since we're wrestling in my home state of New York, and then you add 66 and two-third percent chance, I got a 141 and two-third percent chance of winning at Grand Slam. See, Joe, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you in Arthur Ashe. Disaster! Because <laughs> we're better than you, baby. The oh, best I is, fucking love that so much. The best is them coming out of break, or coming back to the announcers, and you could clearly hear them all just cracking up. Yeah. And as goes, uh, that sounds like some uh, University of Michigan math there, and Shivani's like, I got nothing, you know? Yeah, and we'll come back to this in a second, but the best moment of commentary breaking is when the camera briefly caught a glimpse of a fan towards the main event. Did you hear that? No. There was a girl who was barely wearing a top. Oh, that's uh, Darcy the male girl from from, uh, the Joe Bob's Briggs thing. I don't know what any of those words mean, but the, uh, the camera panned across and they saw it. And somebody, like, I think it might have even been Taz, was like, any comment about that? And then there's just the three of them were just chuckling for like a minute. Um, but, anyways, go can, ahead. I, can I preface this by saying allegedly a bunch of times? Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. She's a, she's a big fan of Chris Jericho. Allegedly. Allegedly. Oh. <laughs> allegedly. Um, so, anyways, I'm and like, we'll okay, talk off air, too. Yeah, so that's a pre-tape, and I'm like, okay, cool. They they touched on the MJF, the Adam Cole stuff. We're probably not getting any more of it. The main event was Roderick Strong and uh, Samoa Joe to see who goes gonna go on to face MJF at Arthur Ashe. Joe wins. 
Joe basically grabs the mic, says, I'm going to take everything away from you uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to MJF. He leaves. So I'm like, okay. At that point, I'm like, I'm pumped up. I'm ready for Samoa Joe versus MJF. So that's fine. Mission accomplished. And in my mind, it's done. And then you get the comedy stuff of Roderick Strong being put in traction the whole time, just yelling at him. And Adam Cole's like, I'm right here. I'm right here. I can't see you. It was awesome. And then at the very end, I'm like, this is a very weird way to end the show. But Joe comes out and just annihilates Cole and says, I, I told you I was going to take everything from you and just Samoa Joe is a scary looking motherfucker but the visual of him almost psychotically choking out Adam Cole to end the show I'm like holy shit they've done such a great job over the last couple of weeks not necessarily rebuilding up Samoa Joe because I don't think they've they've done him wrong yeah. but just pushing him up even further as just this killer. Like he was a, he was a mid card killer before, but now it's like, here is a potential world champion killer. And I don't think he's going to beat max, but like, I really liked all those little pieces that on their own were entertaining over the last couple of weeks that all came together into one storyline to finish the show. Yeah. Um, and nothing better than a pre-taped pre-produced max segment. Yeah. Um, I want to see how many takes that took him. I don't think I, I, I'm going to guess that Max ain't a one take Jones on that one because that's a tough one to get through. You know, I mean, if you're a wrestling fan, maybe you've been practicing over years. I don't maybe. know. How many wrestling promos can you do verbatim? A lot. Well, there you go. And he's a theater kid. He performs. Yeah, I'm not a theater kid. I anyway. Yeah. Um, is that being said? Um, Samoan Joe versus MJF. So here's where I run into a bit of a problem in regards to the match itself, okay? Um, I think the match is going to be good. I'm excited for it. There's no way Joe is going to win, but they've done a very good job on TV to make Joe seem like more of a killer. And as you mentioned, Adam, he's always been kind of like a mid to upper mid card level threat killer. But now he's got MJF. MJF, very clearly the baby face in this promo. And he says in the baby face promo before he does the Steiner math thing, says uh, that he is going to promise you, Samoan Joe, I'm going to choke you out in my hometown. Now, when mm-hmm. a babyface makes a promise like that, the babyface has to deliver, okay? Yeah. So is MJF, who is not a chokeout or submission specialist, putting on a shitty choke on Samoan Joe, and Samoan Joe have to like tap out or pass out to it? Will that be the thing that finally kills Samoa Joe's aura? Or is Joe at a point where he's untouchable? Uh, I think Joe's at a point where he's untouchable, but I also don't think that'll be the finish. I think that just because Max said he's going to do it doesn't necessarily mean that. Like, maybe he'll try to put him in a some type of choke and Joe will get out and commentary will put over how Joe's a submission specialist. And then MJF wins with whatever it is he uses to win. If wrestling has taught me nothing, Adam, and it's actually taught me everything, when a babyface says, I'm going to do X, they have to deliver on that promise. Or they're not a a good babyface. MJF wrestles so infrequently. What is his finisher? His finisher is uh, punching you with the dynamite diamond ring. Yeah, so that doesn't count. Neither Uh, does double clothesline or like kangaroo kick. The heat seeker. Do you know what the heat seeker is, Adam? Isn't that like the DDT off the ropes? The pile driver thing off the ropes, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. That's uh, technically his finisher. 
That's a lame finisher. All right. I know it's a, it's a shitty finisher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because come to think of it, for a guy who wrestled like five times a year, if that, and like cheated in most of them prior to turning babyface, I was like, I can't remember his finisher. Yeah. All right, but. Yeah, so I, I just really liked all that stuff and uh, Joe's badass. That was a scary looking, scary image to end the show. Yeah, but Samoan Joe's the best. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else? I do. I got one more thing, um, and that would be as we're recording this today, um, the PWI 500 came out. Oh, okay. And listen, man, I'm I'm an old school magazine reader. You know, PWI 500. Still means a little something to me. About 10 years ago, when the discourse really kicked up, which also is like right around the time that like everybody was on Twitter. Mm. Uh, I did a thing back when I was still Leonard F. Chikaris and I did the LFC whatever. And I just had people send me, I go, send me a message if you want to be on the list. Mm-hmm. And I just did a random draw, which I'm like, me doing a random draw is just as valid as what PWI does, right? Yeah. And I'll give you, like, maybe, like, the top 50, maybe the top 100 means something. Um, I I had asked if any of the AIW regulars were on the list. Um, And and Derek informed me that a lot of them were. Um, I know in years past, um, for various reasons, there was an AIW bias in the PWI in general, let alone the PWI 500, where they purposely were keeping people out of it. Hmm. Um, but Adam, I'm going to lead you, I'm going to read you off some names here. Maybe you saw some of the discussion of this online. I saw the top 10. That's okay. I'm not talking about the top 10. Don't even care. Okay. I want to talk about Billy Gunn. I want to talk about Austin Gunn. I want to talk about Colton Gunn. I want to talk about Anthony Bowens. And I want to talk about... Tetsuo Naito. Okay. What do all these people have in common? Were they all left off the list? They were all left off the list, Adam. I'm very curious because I haven't opened a PWI 500 in years. You know, I, I, much like you, used to always buy it. Now I just hear the discourse. But I remember flipping through them and just like literally reading every single one of them. And I have to imagine even in the year 2023... There has to be hundreds, or let's just say at least a hundred names in there that are nobody indie people that aren't streamed that like, or maybe are 10 years past their prime or have never been on TV or whatever. So it's like, how did the these hundred indie nobodies get in, but the acclaimed didn't and Nido didn't? And because of people who work at the PWI bias, that's, that's how, that's which stinks. And I um, almost get, like, I, I don't want to sell, like, I love AIW. There's a lot of wrestlers in AIW that I think should be right now stars on national television. Yep. But I can understand if you live in Texas, you live in California, you live in Florida, and maybe you don't listen to this podcast, you don't listen to Pod Van Dam, you don't listen to The Card is Gonna Change, and you just don't know about AIW. That is possible. And you can just be like, ignorance or you know in a not in a bad way you're just ignorant that like the production exists that josh bishop maserati west all those people uh josh navarro 
that they exist. And that's, that's fine. That's not your fault. You just weren't exposed to it. It's not like you can be flipping through the channels and stumble across it. But how do you exclude the hottest tag team of all wrestling in the past year? Uh, let's say maybe them and the Usos, so, them and like uh, Seth or uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. You know, so, like so that's the fucked up part about it is Max Caster's on the list. Oh, okay. But Anthony so, Bowens isn't. Billy Gunn isn't. So I can the, excuse, like, if I'm trying to assign logic, okay, Billy Gunn's wrestled, like, three matches, and yes, Roman probably wrestled four. he's wrestled tons more than three. No, I get it, but, but and Roman's probably wrestled five, and he was number two. Right, so, so and like, you and Max has probably wrestled four, and he's, like, in the top 20 or whatever, right? Yeah. So, to the PWI, at least in the year 2020, the PWI 500 in the, 20, in the year 2023 seems easy to me. Look at the two national televised programs. I'll even go you say go you one better and say the top the the three throw impact in there, right? Yeah, and they also uh, I don't know about this year, but they do love NWA for some reason too. I think Tyrus made it in the top hundred or whatever, right? <laughs> but okay, ridiculous. okay. So Adam, listen, you got WWE, a- AEW, Impact. I'll go you one and I'll say throw the NWA in there. And I'll give you yeah. one more and I'll say throw throw NXT in there, okay? Okay. Just take look at their websites, look at their entire rosters and put them in order. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then however many spaces you have left, figure it out from indie people from there. There's yeah, no the- reason that you should be missing people that are on national television on a weekly basis for the entire year and have held multiple titles in that company and you just forget them and like they put japanese people on there that have wrestled in in america so now we're up to like you want to include new japan in there you got six you got six promotions that's going to take up your first 350 of people maybe less right and if the rest are a bunch of the other 150 are a bunch of indie jamokes and listen, some of my best friends are indie jamokes, right? <laughs> yeah, not wrong with being an indie jamoke. But the fact that you look at Nat, like you miss multiple people from national TV is crazy to me. And that shows a laziness, that shows a bias for some reason, and that just shows a poor editorial staff. And this is not the first year that it happens in uh, PWI 500, and it won't be the last year that it happens. And I don't even care about the rest of it. I, I care more about the people that were left off the list. Yeah, and it's not like, oh, they forgot Dr. Luther or Helico. <laughs> you know, like, looking at the rosters of AEW. They they legit forgot, like, one of the most important wrestlers of the past year at AEW, you know? I don't, yeah, I don't know. But hey, Orange Cassie number eight, I mean, that's hey, cool. <laughs> that's cool! Yeah. I wonder where Broski is. Any any word on that? He was no 13 clue. last year. Yeah, I don't think he's that high. Oh, man, that's a shame. Yeah. I would have assumed he would have been up to at least 12. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's all I got. You got anything else? Uh, I'm just going to end this with saying uh, this is the last podcast that we're ever going to do where Eddie Kingston isn't the Ring of Honor champion. So uh, uh, yes, enjoy that. You know, uh, next week we'll pop the champagne and, you know. I'm sure it'll be a great match. So looking forward to that. That's all. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. I hope everything works out for Eddie and all parties involved going into that match, you know? Yep. 
ridiculous. <sighs> I think uh, I think Eddie Kingston uh, could be in a full body cast and would still in in front of his home crowd. Uh, still bring that championship home. I want to see uh, Eddie Kingston, uh, Eddie Champ, Champ. You know, I you're talking, you're singing to the choir when it comes to that sort of thing. But I don't want to jinx it too much. You know, I hear you. I, yeah. I'm the one saying it. I have no sway over the world. <laughs> That's true. You don't. Um, yeah. So hey, we got uh, homework this week, right? Uh, we'll be doing that over on the Patreon. We'll be discussing uh, the movie Roadhouse. Yep, Roadhouse. And I'll just say this here. Of course, Adam assigned this because uh, Terry Funk was in this. Yeah, uh, uh, in my memory, I thought he was in it much more. But <laughs> now, now, see, conversely, um, again, no spoilers. I thought he was in it much less. Oh, see, then it balanced out. Yeah, you know, our, our our combined level of expectations are fine. Yeah, I thought like literally he was in like two scenes, but he's in like six. Yeah, but. All right. Yeah, I'll look so, forward to recording that later tonight. Yeah, so then, of course, there's no pay-per-view this weekend, so I have my homework that I'll be assigning. And this is something that came up a while ago because of the way that they have the taping schedules listed on Cage Match. Uh, but we, we will be discussing the episode of WCW Saturday Night that aired on February 12th, 2000, um, featuring such matches as... Uh, Disco Inferno taking on Barry Horowitz. <laughs> Buzzkill, still a thing, taking on Bobby Eaton. In the year 2000, all right. Norman Smiley taking on Shark Boy. Oh, shell, yeah. And the Mamelukes defending their tag team titles. <sighs> Not against Crowbar and David Flair, but against Idol and Lane. Ooh, Will there possibly be a cameo of the most important person of wrestling in the year 2000? One can only hope. Oh, fingers crossed. Uh, so I don't know if that's available on the network or anything, but I'm sure um, if you're a Patreon subscriber, you'll be able to get a link to that probably sometime on Friday mm -hmm. uh, as we're recording that. And uh, Adam, uh, are we ready to get into some voicemails? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Go, Adam! Hi, it's the other JB here. So, um, I'm going to be honest, I didn't watch Dynamite this week. So, I am curious about how um, our boy Roddy Strong did. I'm going to tune in and listen and find out. But otherwise, I would be curious if you all have any recommendations about his time already. Thank you much. Well, I, it's understandable that other JB would not be watching the product right now. Uh, they're a little better, and that's understandable. You know, you don't want to watch your former employer's product. You know, um, he's still he's still technically employed. Yeah, no, I know, but still, like you're you're at home, you're you got you got yelled at. You know, maybe you're coming back, maybe you're not. You know, it's it's a rough time for other JB. So I don't, don't want to. It's not my place to speak. You know. But as far as Roddy versus Samoa Joe, uh, I'm sure it was a great match, but I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't really – I kind of had it on and I was like doing other things because I knew Joe was going to win. Um, like unless there was like a shit ton of schmozzing from the kingdom. Like I just knew it was going to be Joe versus Max. So for whatever reason, that didn't have me invested in it. But what did you think of the match, Joe? Well, okay. I thought the match was – I thought the match was good. But I think what other JB is looking for like – uh, they have done in the past where they're looking for Roderick Strong match recommendations, maybe? Well, yeah, I mean, but 
uh, they also said like, oh, they didn't watch the match. You know, that's all. That's that's how. It oh, okay. Um. So yeah, I'm gonna say, um, it was good, but obviously it was more of a storyline and angle. You know, trying to serve two masters and everything. You know. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, Roddy is like one of those like sneakily really good guys when it comes to wrestling. Yeah. Um, and he's been consistently good for maybe the last 20 years. Um, like go back and like, I, I'm trying to think of stuff off the top of my head. Like he had a really good run of stuff in NXT. Um, he had a really good run of stuff in ROH, like in his tag team with Jack Evans. Yeah, I'm probably uh, in the minority if I say go look at any Undisputed Era War Games. You know, that's not just a pure Roddy thing, but like I thought those were great War Games matches. Yeah, and again, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head, but like Roderick Strong is definitely someone I think who gets overlooked. Um, I mentioned it last week, and if you just want to see a murder, um, there's the match of him and Danielson against the Young Bucks in PWG. <laughs> Um, yeah. And I had somebody, I think somebody in the Discord pointed out that, like, the Young Bucks were supposed to be baby faces, but they were getting booed. So Roddy and Danielson were like, oh, well, what if we just kill you guys, and that'll <laughs> just get you guys a bunch of sympathy, and then the crowd the crowd will have no choice but to cheer you, and it didn't work out that way, right? They should have killed them harder. <laughs> That's true. They should have yeah. killed them harder. Now, I will say, I, I do have a lot of, like, um, um... Uh, blind spots in my Roderick Strong viewing because I haven't watched a ton of PWG. I haven't watched a ton of Evolve, and that's where he did a lot of his stuff. But he, Roddy, had a multi match series with Danielson in ROH in like 05 that are like amazing matches, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I say go check those out. Um, yeah, if I'm gonna say go look up the O, like I think it's 05 06. Excuse me. Um, it was like leading up to the title win of Danielson, like when he first won the belt. And then they had like other matches like 0506 Danielson versus Roderick Strong matches from Ring of Honor are my highest recommendation. So check those out. All right. Cool. Thanks, other GB. Hope you're staying busy on your uh, little vacation. <laughs> I, I was wondering at the very beginning of the call why they were saying my name that way. But I'm like, oh, it's because they have to say your name like that. <laughs> I, I want the clip of just Roddy saying Adam, and I just you, want to play that sometimes. You need that as your ringtone. Do people still... If only you knew somebody who had a ringtone maker. Oh! That's actually... <laughs> could, like, whenever I get a phone call, it's yes. just like, Adam! <laughs> <laughs> There's no mistaking whose phone that is. Yeah. Oh, I love it. All right. All right. Next call. Hello, gentlemen. Kevin here. Uh, I know Joe's sick. That's true. We're doing all right overall. I'm not. Um, when I have COVID, uh, it knocked me out for like two weeks. So I hope the best for you. I know Adam caught the lawn and the lawn won. <laughs> and plus, I mean, of course, all this had to happen when there's Patreon show this week, too. It's not like it could have happened a week that you didn't have to do one. So I'm going to keep it very quick today for once. Um, two quick thoughts. One, two. I'm only watching Dynamite because really, please, I hope Eddie Kingston wins the ROH title and I need to see that live. Oh my God. I'm very hopeful. Two, if Jade Cargill jumps to WWE, she absolutely main events WrestleMania while she's there. That woman is an attraction. She, like we've said, female, what was it, Hot Goldberg? Uh-uh, female Undertaker. 
She's huh. an attraction that will sell tickets, and WWE's going to make a lot of money if she actually jumps. Question, though. Okay, Team Punk got fired. Good. Deserved to. But this third collision up in the air because collision was supposed to be the CM Punk show. If Edge jumps to AEW, is Edge a big enough name to put him on collision and use him as the linchpin to carry that show? Quick question. Hope that's enough. Hope you guys feel better. And I hope that all of you are contributing to Joe's medical bills by supporting the Patreon show. Talk to you later, guys. I do a little Mick Foley thumbs up every time <laughs> he gives us one of those cheap plugs. I can, um, listen, I can give you my PayPal or I Venmo now. I Venmo. I oh, can give you those if you want to. Do uh, you own drugs on the side? <laughs> yeah, listen. I'd rather not get into it, but. Yeah. Um, can we start off? Like, I saw the rumors of Jade potentially being gone, and I saw the like the results of Rampage or whatever. And I'm like, man, like, I. I I don't like it when somebody I like goes to a show I don't want to watch. So that that would be disappointing to me if Hot Goldberg left. So my question, I so while that discourse was going on, I was dying. Mm-hmm. So I woke up this morning and I woke up to like all these people like up in arms. Like, I can't believe Jade Cargill would go into the press and say how much she loves being in AEW and how Tony treats her as just a number to even think or intimate that she would go to the World Wrestling Entertainment. And to them I say, what's your favorite Jade Cargill match? <laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite Jade Cargill promo? Uh, oh. what's, your favorite, what's your favorite Jade Cargill segment? Other than the one where Brandy comes out and like calls her a bitch? I'm not saying that like she was a great in-ring tactician, <laughs> but she was, uh, she was a, a spectacle, as Kevin said. She was an attraction. But that's the thing. I think she'll AE- excel in WWE. AEW being the admitted challenger brand, I know they like to say that they're the Pepsi to the Coke of World Wrestling Entertainment. I'd say they're more the RC because nobody likes Pepsi. Um, <laughs> but I think they did all they could with Jade at this point in AEW. Yeah, I mean, WWE is going to make her a star, not a wrestling star. They're going to make her a capital S star. Oh, yeah. And I agree. Like, she could be main eventing one of the Knights of Mania this year if, if they went that way, with, if they went with a women's match, you know? <sighs> you, you treat her as a star the minute she comes in. I know it's, it's easy, lazy booking to say someone comes into the Royal Rumble as a surprise. Mm hmm. I say you do weeks of vignettes, putting over who Jade Cargill is, everything that she's done, and you announce her as a participant in the Royal Rumble, and she wins the Women's Royal Rumble. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have to be a surprise entrant. She just has to make a good showing. She can come in. You So you do a thing. They always say the person who gets number 30 has the best spot. And like, okay, there's been times like last year Cody got number 30 and then Bumble fucked around for 15 minutes and then decided to have like an eight-minute match with Gunther in the Royal Rumble, right? Yeah. You have the ring full of people, seven to eight people. Number 30 comes out. It's Jade. And in like two minutes, she just clears the entire ring and wins the Royal Rumble. Yeah, like Brock Lesnar style. Like that's how you make a fucking statement with a with a with a character with a performer with a specimen like Jade Cargill. Yeah, and I, I you know I 
<laughs> I'm in trouble saying this, but she is very much like Cody, where a she wouldn't necessarily be missed in AEW. Nope. And B, it, she is a better sports entertainer than she is a wrestler. But I, I do like Jade, and I like like the the pairing with Smart Mark and all of that stuff. And it's just like, all right, now you're going to put her on a show that I'll never watch. You know, you can always watch the clips on YouTube, like I do. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And uh, what was Kevin's other question? Does um do they turn Collision into the Edge show? No. Uh, give Edge Rampage. Put him on there with the Bucks. Short <laughs> answer: No. You don't yeah. give. Is Edge big enough of a star? Yes. Do you let Edge have that much time to give his long-winded soliloquies? Absolutely not. I could give you a list of people on the AEW roster currently, starting with Orange Cassidy, that you should make, have them be the, like, Collision is now their show. How about nobody belongs to any one show? Now that Phil's gone, right? like, like I could say, I can understand if you want to be like, okay, Hangman and Swerve, that's a dynamite program, just for example, and then, you know, Whatever, Legato. No, I was about to say Legato del Fantasma. Uh, like, uh, I don't know. Something else is on collision. And then when those angles end, then like these wrestlers flip flop and they go over there. They go wherever their next opponent is. You don't have to have a brand split, right? But at the same time, I don't want to see Darby Allen wrestle on all three shows each week. You know, you have enough talent where okay, this week the Bucks are on Rampage. Then. Two weeks from now, they're on Collision. And then two weeks after that, they're on Dynamite. Mix it up. I don't care. Just You don't have to have, this is the Collision roster, this is the Dynamite roster, and then whoever you know draws the short straws on Rampage. I don't, right. I, I think I'm with you. If no one show should be one person show, a bad precedent was set by Phil, and we all need to get out of that mindset that collision should be someone's show. But yeah. if Tony is de- determined to make it someone's show, Edge is the last person it should be. Yeah. And I agree. Like, and there was things about, like, you know, Danielson should run you know, collision, and that Blackpool Combat Club is, is the exclusive to collision but then what like now you're taking away my enjoyment of dynamite by taking some of the best guys so like if i tune into dynamite i'm not gonna see moxley you know exclusivity is stupid yep all right thanks thanks for your call kevin next call hey guys it's ben pasco and last week on september 11th i went and saw danzig and it was Awesome. And the part that my girlfriend pointed out to me that made it incredible was Danzig seemed to be in a good mood. I had never seen that man smile. And I'll be honest with you, it was unsettling. My question for you is, what person do you think would unsettle you the most if you ever see him, you know, get one of those grins going? Uh, Thank you. Uh, I'll hang up and listen because I don't really have a choice. Ah, thanks, Ben. Uh, I don't know, Joe. Who's somebody that uh, you'd be very unsettled by a a big smile from? Uh, There was a time where I would have said someone like uh, a Taz or a Samoan Joe. See, Um, Taz smiles all the time. Right, but Taz smiles all the time now. But like 1995 to 1999 Taz, Uh if you saw him smile, you'd be like, oh, I'm dead. He's going to murder, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, Samoan Joe is the same way. I think um, a smile on Samoa Joe's face is just a sign of something uh, notorious happen- happening. You know who would be unsettling smile? Robert Smith of The Cure. We're talking about music people. Um, your emo goth type people smiling, your Robert Smith, your Trent Reznors. I think if they smiled, um, that would be wrong. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I don't really have an answer, but I, I'll go with what you said. But All right. Thanks, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Last call, pink button time, and only one call. It's going to be a short show. Oh, shit. It's Young Ed. Hey, Joe and Adam, it's Ed. Um, just wanted to call and let you guys know how uh, Colossus Con East went. Um, so it was fun, naturally. I had a really, really good time. So my panel, specifically, um, started off with uh, technical technical difficulties. Like, this thing keeps happening with PowerPoint. When you get pu- plugged into projectors, it won't play videos, and I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> and, uh... Tech tries to fix it, and they normally do. Like, this guy fixed it, and it was going, and then he tried to fuck with it more, and then it wouldn't go. So we're, like, at a good five minutes into my panel, and it hasn't started yet. And uh, somebody's like, well, what are you going to do if the videos don't play? And I said, I don't know. I'll probably kill myself. <laughs> um, and then that made the room really, I, I read the room well, and it made people very uncomfortable. So I said it about four more times. And then eventually, somebody in the crowd is like, I'm an IT guy. Do you want me to look at it? And I was like, well, yeah, bud. Yeah, of course I do. And then he fixed it, and everything went really, really well after that. Um, shockingly enough, the anal bomb deathmatch isn't what gross people out the most this time. It was Sasuke's barrel bump, like, off the ladder onto, uh, onto his head. They, there's some people that that really disgusted, and I didn't expect that. It was very shocking. Uh, and then, you know, this time I was just hanging out and chilling. Had a really great time. Saw Billy Madison cosplayer. Uh, is with the cutoff, uh, golf fest. The Frank shirt. It was very dope. And then I found out that my favorite, uh, Japanese arcade game has twice songs on it. So it was all, it was probably the most fun I've ever had at a convention, for being honest. It was a really, really good time. I can't wait for next year. Klaus Connie's is probably my favorite convention now. Also, Adam, you went Angry Video Game Nerd. If you haven't talked about it yet, mm. what was that like? Also, what's your favorite video uh, that he does? I really like uh, Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle when Bugs Bunny shirts uh, on his face. Okay, bye. Uh, so I don't know if you saw Ed's tweet today as well, where uh, at the lobby, I guess, at Colossal Con, somebody called him a 20-year-old purple-haired slur. Oh, no, I and, didn't see that. And Ed was more focused on the fact that the guy thought he looked like he was only 20. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm glad Ed had a good time at Colossal Con East. He specifies that. He did bury um, the Ohio one, saying that the East one is better. Um, of course, anything in Pennsylvania is any better than anything in Ohio. This is true. Uh, just, just like I'll, I'll mention later, you know, RetroCon, much better than Toy Hile, but we'll talk about that during Weekly Purchases. Ed, uh, Weekly Purchases, I'll talk about Angry Video Game Nerds, so you oh, gotta stick around. Yeah, don't reveal your favorite video until then. Make I Ed won't. listen to the I whole won't. show. He has to. I'll, right, I'll, so, I'll give him one word, like, every couple minutes, and he has to piece them together. <laughs> right, I, so that we get his ratings in the Arbitron books when they come in. <laughs> I know Ed gets Birch, but I get Arbitron, anyway. Um, but... Ed, when Colossal Con East registration opens up again, give me the Iggy 
so that we could put our press passes in so we could get free passes and maybe you could even get free passes too there we go yeah we were a little late to that one but we tried i mean they said like oh the thing got cut off because we did it two weeks beforehand i think if i do it two months beforehand we might get it yeah and it's like I mean, let's be real. I mean, how packed could the place have been? They're like, oh, we can't possibly give away two more press passes. We're at we're at our limit. You know? Well, when I when I did go there the one year to go see Ed, uh, it was pretty jam packed. Yeah. No, I just saying like what's two more people, you know? Yeah, I just you know, they have a cutoff for things or whatever. But I'm glad Ed had a good time. That's the most important thing. Yeah, and I'm uh, a little bit pissed off that, that there is not a recording that I can buy for five dollars. So we were supposed to <sighs> Get him on board with that. Well, it sounds like he had enough issues that they had to pull IT guys out of the crowd to fix his PowerPoint presentation that uh, he's doing on an overhead projector. Is yeah. Ed an old? Uh, sounds like it, but what a freaking shocker that there would be IT people at an anime convention. Like, what are the odds? <laughs> <laughs> like, how did, one in a million, I'll tell you. How dare you? <laughs> Uh, so, hey, um, plugs, I guess, right? So, uh, we mentioned the Patreon before, uh, patreon.com slash at odds wrestling, uh, go sign up. We have like the homework that we do the movies and the old WCW stuff now. And when we're out of that, was that? I was going to say also Joversations. Right. Uh, conversations with Joe, the hollow wicked one. People are still just coming around to that. I got to schedule my time uh, in the next couple of weeks here to sit down with uh, Mr. Kevin Ford and record hours. Um, the classic remastered episodes of At Odds that Adam puts up, the selfie of me a month that go up, my notes for the homework that go up. If you want to see my chicken scratch uh, handwriting and more, I guess. I don't know what more is. Oh, well, like sports talk and stuff goes up on there, yep. right? Yep, sports talk with myself, Marcus and Brett. The, yeah. the name network fantasy football draft was up on sports talk. Yeah, so go sign up for that. Uh, there's a T Public sale going on this weekend. All of the at odds, soon to be named network, and other show designs are up there, 35% off if you buy them this Saturday and Sunday. Uh, and also uh, in uh, IWTV, uh, aka Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, uh, use the promo code at odds. And it doesn't, if you're a new subscriber, it lets Jerry know that you came to us from, if you came to him from us, like I said, I'm, I'm dealing with it. Yeah. Um, but I mentioned it here because uh, Steel Stack Smackdown 2 is going to be live streaming on IWTV this weekend. Um, Saturday night, uh, 8 o'clock bell time. I have it on good authority that it's going to be a short show, even though there's fucking one, two, three, four, eight matches. Ugh. <laughs> um, I'm gonna send Matt. I'm gonna send Mantis a, a message right now. I'm not gonna go over all the matches. Um, again, I said at the top of the show, I'm not going to be there. Um, sadly, but I will be watching it. I'll be streaming it on multiple devices to help get those numbers up. Even though apparently, like my comp account doesn't count, I'm still gonna do it. Mm. Um, but definitely watch the show. They they replaced me with Ian Rigaboni, right? I think I should get sick more often. <laughs> Yeah, a pretty good replacement there, you know? I still got to get my Mark pic picture with Ian. This is like, this will be show number four in a row that I'm at where I, I, you know, this better be the fourth time's the charm. Okay, so Ian is a very affable fellow and very approachable. 
Uh-huh. Um, I would say if and when you see him tweet out about the show on Saturday, yeah, tweet back at him and say, I need to find you for a Mark picture. Okay. I can do that. Then I'll, then I'll be like, hey, I just tweeted at you, and you replied something, and that's right. me. And then I'll get the picture. Perfect. Tell him, tell him that you know me. Drop my name. Okay. You're, I know you're still on good terms with him, at least. Yeah. He doesn't think you're mean. <laughs> no. I think So that's the thing. I think Ian uh, knows that I'm mean, but I think, like much like I respect Ian for not being mean, uh-huh. I think he secretly admires me <laughs> for being mean. Yeah, you get to live vicariously through each other. Yeah. You, you get to see what it's like to be a nice person. You get to see what it's like to be mean. But at an eight-match card with an intermission, and they have a hard-out allegedly at 10.30, I just messaged Mantis, as you're making the lineup for the show, start shaving three to five minutes off each match time. <laughs> yeah, but this is the first time an LVAC show has streamed since the last Steel Stacks, right? Correct. All right, so this is uh, an opportunity. Oh, there's that word again for a lot of folks who haven't watched the show in a while to check it out. And... Because you'll be watching it from home, Joe, and I will be there, who has the longest consecutive LVAC attendee streak, you or I? That would be you. Yeah! That's me. That's me. So. <laughs> and you'll never win it back. Well, I'm not going to say that. There'll probably be a show that I just won't go to, and you'll get it right back. But for now, well, the I next streak. I'll what? say here, the next show is December 29th. There is no Halloween show this year because this show would be like too close. Yeah. I guess, because um, if you remember this show, Steel Stacks last year took place like three weeks earlier. Yeah, and God forbid an indie run a show more than once every four months, right? Well, <laughs> listen, uh, I think LVAC is kind of smart in not trying to like burn the market out. Yeah. No, you I know, got you. I'm just, I'm yeah. joshing. I was just kidding. You All know? right. Uh, but yeah, go sign up for Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Watch the show this Saturday. Um, and lastly, uh, make any and all of your eBay purchases through our eBay affiliate link. Uh, when you click on links to various merchants on the site to make a purchase, this can result in the site earning a commission. Affiliate programs and affiliations include, but are not limited to, the eBay Partner Network. Yeah. And there's some other networks, speaking of networks, Joe, how about the soon-to-be-named network, which has these podcasts, as well as some of their friends, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Af- Heroes After Dark. That intro sucked. We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Viewer's Choice, Indie Wrestling Guide, Wings on Wings, Hayabusi, and Final Wrestling Place. I need anabolic steroids from this doctor right now. <laughs> anabolic steroids is a logical next step. I agree with you, Marcus, but, like, if only I heard you say something similar, but yet different. Steroids are awesome. I don't care what anybody says. <laughs> Perfect. But, Joe, you know what's not awesome? I just want to say real quick, uh, whatever the new A show is, uh, I was informed that they're on Twitter, which is great. That's one of the rules I had for them to go back to, like, some type of social media. And apparently they're on Apple Podcast. Uh, I cannot test that because I have a phone for grownups, so I, I, I'm not, I don't know. But as of right now, they're not on Google, and I don't believe they have a working RSS feed, so I still will not be on the show. You should be able to retro source it from being on Apple Podcast or iTunes or whatever the fuck it's called. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but that sounds like not my business. Exactly. And until they fix all of that, it won't be my business either. There you go. All right. Best part of the show, Joe. Some might cost a little. Some might cost a lot. But I'm the $100 Vansky. And your figures will be bought. <laughs> All right, Joe, did you buy anything? Nope. Aw. All right. Then it's gonna I, be bought, a lot of- I, bought, I bought soup, and I bought more NyQuil and DayQuil, but those don't count, right? I've always found that retail therapy helps when you're you're not feeling well. You know, the, the, that endorphin streak or, or like that, that hits you when you're, you make that purchase on eBay or whatever. Well, okay, there you go. I was going to say on eBay or not. I've been looking at stuff on eBay. Um but the sellers have not responded to me of how many sniffs are left in these things. So, oh, okay, I saw something very similar to that on eBay. I got a I, the, the seller sent me an offer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I certainly can't afford. Uh, what was it like a six thousand dollar pair of used Alexa Bliss <laughs> gear? Listen, you know, there was a pair of jeans that still had the D pads over them. <laughs> money money might be no object oh that is right i forgot that uh, a certain uh wrestler also had some of her gear up for sale uh see I, I think they need to develop and if only there was a jingle that you could play in scenarios like this but you've closed your soundboard uh if there was only like you know how people will frame a jersey and yes. it'll be behind glass. There should be the cutouts in the glass, like a bank teller window, so you can, like, you know, <laughs> you talk in those holes in the glass, so the teller can hear you. Or, uh, or there should be like some sort of uh, setup that you could have where there's like fans behind it. Yeah. Well, you don't holes, and you walk by, and you could push a button, <laughs> and the fan will blow the sniffs out. <laughs> Yeah, but you might lose sniffs. Like it just might be too much of it flowing out. Like That's and then true. you're left with nothing. You're better off doing it manually. It's more work, but it's more fulfilling. I get you. Yeah. All right. So you didn't buy anything. I bought some stuff. I will just do a quick thing, real quick. Um, somebody in the major group put up a bunch of major bendies cards, uh, and one of the cards that I needed. Uh, that he was selling was a Brian Myers Major Bendy card, and it's the one that goes with his merch table exclusive Bendy. Okay. And I, I think I, I have to remember. I think I might have bought the Bendy from Brian on whatnot as a buy it now, and he was selling the cards separately or was doing them as a giveaway or something. So for whatever reason, I just didn't have it, and now I have like a card to go with every Bendy. If that makes sense. Yeah. And it was like $5 and it was like nothing. It was just one that I was missing. You know, the other real quick thing that I bought is thanks to DJ and also thanks to Brett. Uh, actually, DJ was doing his due diligence to find out if the Wheeler Yuta figure, the ringside exclusive, would be in stock and available to get for steel stacks on Saturday. Um, originally it wasn't looking like it, but they just went in stock, I think Friday 
if I'm not mistaken, on my time t- timeline, Friday or Saturday. And Brett had already ordered his, but myself and DJ were basically like, well, we're going to roll the dice. DJ got his order in uh, maybe an hour before I did, a half hour before I did. And I believe he got his today. But uh, as of right now, I have a FedEx notification that my Wheeler Uta Blood and Guts will be here tomorrow, fingers crossed, uh, which leaves me plenty of time to bring it with me to Steel Stacks and uh, get my Mark photo and get that figure signed, you know? I certainly hope so. Fingers crossed. I said at the beginning of the show, find out where the ringside offices are and just drive out there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm looking at it right now, and I think it says... And whatever, it's taking forever to load. I'm pretty sure it's said tomorrow by by end of day. So I also ordered, just because I'm like, all right, if I'm going to make uh, a ringside order. Oh, actually, Friday by the end. Yeah, that is tomorrow. Never mind. Yeah, Friday by the end of the day. Uh, I also, since I'm not going to do a ringside order for just a figure, because that would be wasteful, uh, I also ordered the ringside exclusive Danhausen figure. The one that has, like, the cape box. Gotcha. But... By ordering that, I have decided that that is probably the only Danhausen figure I need right now. Uh, that and I have the Zombie Sailor heels and faces, which I do also like. So I'm probably going to sell all four of the Danhausen Major Bendies. I'm like, I don't, okay. need, to, I don't need to own six freaking Danhausen figures. You know what I'm saying? And if something's got to go, it's the Bendies. Okay. You know, so uh, we'll just balance it out. You know, I have to make it a point when I buy stuff, I have to be willing to, because I'm running out of room in the toy room, I have to also cut stuff, you know? I get you. All right. So those are my only non-RetroCon purchases. I went to RetroCon on Saturday. I was originally supposed to go with your co-host, Todd, but Todd was all like, I have so many suitors, I don't know what I'm going to do. (laughs) And he didn't go, but I met up with uh, my buddy Rob. Uh, He was in Philly for something else the night before, so he met me at the toy show. And um, I've talked about RetroCon last year, uh, about how I I really, really love the show. I mentioned that it was probably twice the size of Toy Hio, but I liked the selection a lot more, if that makes sense. And I went into detail before that you don't have table after table of people selling like less than two-year-old Marvel Legends figures or DC Multiverse or Funko Pops or WWE Elites that they just grabbed from Target and brought right to the toy show. It's like a lot more older stuff. And by older, I, I don't necessarily mean like 60s or 70s, but, you know, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, you know, is, is the big hit for it. So for me, it's a better selection of a show. Uh, so I, when I went to it last year, I said, I'm definitely going again. And they moved it into the bigger building. Like, it's kind of like AIW. They're like, they're performing in the bigger building now. Um, But like last year, it was in a smaller hall. It's in the bigger hall this year. So I went and I had a set amount of money I was going to spend, Joe. Because I basically said, I'm going to bring this much. And if. I, if I want something that's more expensive than this, I can't, you know, buy it or whatever. I was like, I'm not going to allow myself to, to do PayPal or credit card or anything like that. And, uh, but yeah, I basically had it in my head. I'm going to spend all of this money. This money has been earmarked as gone for RetroCon. But 
I'm walking around and there is a lot of stuff that I like. And there's not a ton of stuff that I'm like, oh my God, I need. But I want to send you the first picture. This is something, it was very, very, very cheap. And I'm actually going to say how much it was. It was 20 bucks is what the guy was asking. And this was not at a wrestling figure uh, like booth or anything like that. This was at just a random, kind of like a hodgepodge of everything. This was kind of like borderline like a garage sale type of table and there's this one random wrestling figure sitting on the table and it was i believe the guy wanted 20 bucks i offered him 15 he said sure why not and i said do you have a bag for it because i don't want to be seen walking around with it <laughs> and i'm sending it to you now joe and you gotta tell tell people what it is hopefully when- you'll have your phone when Adam says he's embarrassed. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Look at the beard on that thing. I know I've seen that before. <laughs> but it is a broski brawling bro- buddy from World Wrestling Entertainment when they tried to do the, the knockoff wrestling buddies, you know? Yep. <clears throat> uh, it's still on the cardboard backer, you know? Yeah, even though the card, and again, listen, those cardboard backers, you know, for something like that ain't going to hold up very no, well. No, you know? yeah, it's hard. Because I looked, when I was standing at the desk, I looked it up real quick, just as I, I always do, look up eBay. And I think there's like three on eBay and they're all loose. Okay. And they're all like 20 bucks and up. And I was like, okay, if I can get this thing for 15 bucks, I don't care if the cardboard's beat up. The only thing that sucks is I tried uh, the, the, it says, try me, press the chest. Uh, whatever the sound box inside of it doesn't work anymore. Aww. Maybe you can change the batteries, but it's kind of like attached to the cardboard. And I'm like, which is more important, it being mint on card or it being <laughs> like working? Uh, I don't know, but like I said, for 15 bucks and for the joke, uh, I was like all over that. The ribs on you. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) So I bought that. Like I said, that cost me 15 bucks. I also found a booth and there's a lot of things like this, but they sell uh, digital art that they do. And this guy, all the digital art is Transformers related. And there was a lot of different things that I liked, but what I ended up buying was this is like an eight and a half by eleven print, and I just sent it to you. It is of the Transformers the movie, like the movie poster. Okay. But it is redone. If you look at it in like Zoom or whatever, it's redone with the figures. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could. Yeah. That's really cool. You could tell more so with like Unicron and Ultra Magnus that it's like not the cartoon. It's the it's like the figures like not maybe not the real figures, but a digital representation. Yeah. Like they're, they're made to look like toys as opposed to looking like cartoons. Yeah. And I was like, that was like $12. I don't care. I thought it was cool as hell. It caught my eye the first time I saw it. And every time I walked by, I'm like, I'm going to buy one of those before I leave, you know? Mm-hmm. Um. So right now we're at less than 30 bucks for those two things. I bought one other thing, Joe, and it was a little bit of a big boy purchase, but I have to set it up real quick. Uh, I'm going to send it to you just so you you have it while I am uh, working on explaining it. So bear with me here. I purchased from 2003 an Optimus Prime 20th anniversary figure that, uh, at the time in 2003, mm-hmm. I looked for this everywhere. 
I could not find. I believe it might have been an exclusive to Toys R Us because it's a huge. Right. B, it's solid metal. Oh, okay. Which is like even in 2003 was a rarity. Um, and I believe the retail on this in 2003 was like either 70 or 80 bucks. Okay. So taking up a lot of shelf space, high price point, knowing what you know about toys, you know that they probably didn't get a lot of them because of those two things. So they were hard to find. And I've been clocking this figure for years because, again, I was looking for it in 2003. Um, lots of them on eBay. And people always want like 150, 160, 170 for them. And I've seen them at toy shows. Like I've seen them at Toy Hio. I saw one at RetroCon last year, I believe. And they'll, I'll always like either take a look and somebody will be like trying to get higher than eBay price. And that's where I'm like, okay, go fuck yourself. I'm not going to pay a premium. Um, or like close to the eBay. Uh, last time I was at Toy Hio, somebody had one of these and it was the exact same price as like the lowest eBay price. And I remember saying to my buddy that I was like, you know what, I'm going to get that because it's like buy it on eBay, buy it here. It's the same price, but at least I have it. And I did a lap and then it was gone by the time I came back. Uh. And uh, you were like, oh, you fucked up. You should have bought it. So anyways, I'm at RetroCon. I see one of them on the shelf. It's in relatively good shape i'd say it's like a nine a nine and a half out of ten it's a big heavy box so some of the corners are a little bit uh suspect but it was priced at a hundred bucks okay i'm gonna inter- i'm gonna interrupt you there i'm yeah. looking on ebay and it's a wild swing on the price for this yeah i'm seeing them like sold of course always sold yeah i'm seeing them as low as 94 and as high as 200 right yeah. So the median, I would say, the most of them I'm seeing is like 140 to 150, and that's before shipping. Yeah. So again, and taxes and all that. Yeah, yeah, 100 bucks, fucking a man. Go ahead. Well, so I said, uh, he said 100 bucks, and I'm like, all right, cool. Let me uh, let me think about it, and I did leave it, which was stupid. Leave it, uh, but you saw the picture, so I have it, so you know it has a happy ending. Um, came back around like maybe a half hour later and the guy's like all right you here to get optimus and i'm like i don't know lady bucks by optimus he's like come on it's the leader of the autobots i can't do 80 like i don't know man kind of only have 80 bucks left which i did and i had more than 80 bucks left but you gotta play to get the game and he's like how about 85 and i'm like take it here take the money (laughs) i couldn't give him 85 dollars fast enough uh so i got like I said, it was a lot of money, but compared to what they're going for and the fact that a hundred was a steal, you know, to get it for even less. And, and again, it wasn't an impulse purchase. It wasn't something I found out about a week ago. It was literally something that I was searching Toys R Us for like in 2003 and coming up empty on, you know? Right, just we 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 played the clip before of Ric Flair. We played the clip of Ric Flair twenty five years ago, saying twenty five years ago. Yeah, we're playing the clip today of Adam saying twenty years ago he was looking for this thing that's a twenty year old thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. like it was a twentieth anniversary figure in two thousand three, and yeah. we're just now hitting the forty year anniversary of Transformers. I had to take twenty more years to track one down. You know? Exactly. But it's 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 huge. It's heavy as hell because it's like solid metal or not, not solid, but it's like, you know, whatever. But uh, they just don't build them like that anymore. And I love it, you know. But 
at that point, uh, I was kind of my buddy Rob outspend me, outspent me uh, astronomically uh, to the point where I was like, dude, you really shouldn't be spending that much on toys. It's really not good. (laughs) (laughs) You stepped in and you're like, you've gone too far. I stepped in as the voice of reason for him. But uh, he left and I'm like, I'm going to do another lap or two just to make sure I didn't miss anything. And I decided before I left um, that I was like, all right, I'm going to go check out the the lines again over with like the celebrities and stuff. And I had originally thought about going and getting a Mark photo uh, and an autograph from Stan Bush, speaking of Transformers, because he's the guy who's saying like, you've got the touch and stuff right. like that. Um, but he wanted like 50 bucks for uh, like a combo. No, thank you. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want like, I'm good. Like, no big deal. Like nice, nice to look in your general direction. I appreciate the song, but I like, I'm good. Um, but because of you probably, and I probably would have figured it out eventually, but listening to Longbox heroes last week, you mentioned that the angry video game nerd was going to be there. And he wasn't there when I initially was looking at like tickets online. Okay. Uh, so he was kind of maybe a later edition and he was doing a free, uh, meet and greet. And that, that was going to be my, my question was, what yep. was he whacking for pictures? So hundred percent free, uh, free pictures, free autographs, free, whatever. Um, and he was doing it from like noon to five. Uh, and at like noon to like two, the line was massive. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to stand in a line. Uh, like I'd like to get a Mark photo with them, but I'm not going to give up like two hours of my day for it. Um, so I kind of had it in my head that I wasn't going to bother. Um, but kind of closer to like four ish when I was getting ready to leave the con, I looked over, uh, and much like everybody else's lines, they were all thinning out and there was maybe like five people in line at this point. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go do it. You know? Um, so I jump in the line and he had a gimmick table, uh, and I didn't take a picture of it. I, I should, but they were selling things like everything from like the PlayStation four game that I guess he has like box sets of the DVDs. Um, down to like stickers and prints and t-shirts and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? I, I, I'm of the mindset. And I think I learned this a little bit from indie wrestling that like, as much as I want to go get a Mark photo with everybody, like I try to like buy something from the gimmick table, you know, especially if it's like a celebrity that like, I, I don't know them. I haven't had a conversation with them. So I'm like, I'm going to buy something. So I bought, uh, again, it's like an eight and a half by 11 poster, but it's the angry video game nerd. Uh, doom parody poster okay you know so i got that um i'm standing in line and the the guy like that's in front of me is uh he's like oh i bet you're i bet you're singing his theme song just like i am and i i thought i was thinking of like stan bush at the time and i was like what you got the touch he's like no the angry video game theme song i'm like oh yeah no i get it he's like it's such a catchy song I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. He's like, how long you've been a fan i'm like oh well you know i and this is a shoot i said this in the discord that I probably saw five episodes 20 years ago yeah, and then never watched another episode again until the pandemic. And it was one of the episodes was suggested to me. And I was like, you know what? I might as well go back and start from the beginning. (laughs) And I watched every episode of angry video game nerd within like a week as like a big binge watching thing. So my goodness. And I actually told him that when I got up to him, but uh, the guy that was in front of me, he's like, Oh, I, I wrote him a poem. And he busts out his phone and he shows me like some like 10 line stanza thing. He's like, I got to read it to him. I'm like, ah, cool. You, you do you, buddy. <laughs> you yeah. Know? 
Um, but anyways, he goes up, he reads the poem and like James is nice to him and all that stuff. And somebody that was in front of him gave him like a note. And I'm like, all right, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to yuck somebody's yum. Maybe this show got somebody through some stuff. So whatever, do your fandom thing. But I bought the poster. I handed it to him. Uh, I was like, hey, would you mind signing this? Is like, no problem. You want me to make it out to anybody? I said, have it be too Adam. I'm not going to flip it. You know, Um, he complimented my my Back to the Future shirt and uh, got a lot of compliments for that. But I told him about the like, hey, I, I watched a couple episodes years ago, like 20 years ago. And then I just binge watched them all. And it was, he was kind of like, oh, okay. Like, not like a surprise or like a whatever. Just like, I don't know. Just like, it was like I said, the sky is blue. But <laughs> I got my picture with him, shook his hand, took off. It was a perfectly fine interaction. But I didn't really have anything to say because it's like I have three months of fandom yeah. or something like that. You know, yeah, all three pressed. years. But yeah, sure. Well, no, I just mean like it was a couple months of watching the show and then like drip drab since then. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, and to answer Ed's question, I trying to think if I have a favorite episode, like I'm trying to think like the ones that jump out, like the one with the power glove, trying to like find the power glove is finally the thing that can land the plane and top gun on the okay. carrier. <laughs> like, I, I, I want, I, yes. So I was going to interrupt. That's not my favorite episode top to bottom, uh-huh. but I would say, the, the top you, you have to watch the top gun episode yeah and then when you watch the power glove episode where he talks about how difficult it is to land the plane in top gun how much the power glove sucks and then he's able to land the plane in top gun with the power glove is like maybe like it, it's the greatest moment in angry video game nerd history yeah but it's, it's like maybe <laughs> one of the best moments in like youtuber gaming history <laughs> yeah and uh, I will say the thing I hate the most, and I maybe I was too – I don't want to say – I'm the least mature person on the planet. We all sure. know this. Uh, but, like, even back in 2000 – when did that start? 2003, 2004 he started? Yeah. Like, even then, I hate the fake shit stuff. Okay. You know, where it's like, oh, this character's shitting all over this game, and it's like, you, here's a, here's the game sitting on the ground, and I'm just spraying the diarrhea shit on it. Like, I hate the visuals of any of those. I'm like, <laughs> a lot of times, like if if he's doing an episode, and like, okay, you get the setup, and then we're gonna review the game, and then he's done with the game, he takes it out of the console, throws it, and then you look at the time, and there's like another five minutes left, and I'm like, oh, you're gonna do a skit, huh? Well, maybe I'm done with this episode. <laughs> You know, <laughs> um, so I, I was and I wouldn't say from the start, but I was definitely a very early angry video game ner- person. I remember when he was the angry NES nerd. Yeah. Angry Nintendo nerd. Yeah. Nintendo nerd. Um, so I was I was always been a lurker on message boards and stuff. Message boards were a thing before Twitter and Discord and stuff. Uh huh. And I was a lurker on the Something Awful forums. And Something Awful forums is kind of like 4chan before 4chan was a thing. Yeah. And on there, they were making fun of video angry, angry NES nerd, angry Nintendo nerd. And I'm like, what is this that they're making fun of? I had never heard of it. So I went and I looked it up. And I forget what the first one I saw was, but it was very early in the run. Um, and I'm like, oh, this guy's actually pretty funny. 
And then that was the end of me going to something awful because I'm yeah. like, oh, these guys are really wrong about this. <laughs> yeah. And then I was kind of like an in the wo- like I, like an early adopter. And then I got my brother Tony into watching it. And whenever there was a new one up, we'd always like if we knew we were going to see each other like within the next like day or so, and a new we'd one came up, it. yeah, we'd save it. it so we would watch it together. Um, but then like within the last couple of years, like, um, I know it didn't come up on air. But if you listen to uh, the Ian uh, Valfour episode, the first conversations with Joe, um, Ian worked with a production company that helped James do a lot of his more recent videos in the last five or six years. Uh-huh. Um, and you could definitely tell a difference, like the quality of the video of what you were looking at was better, but you could kind of sort of see some of the love was gone and James is a book and James had a lot of other things, but this actually kind of happens. I think I really started to fall out with angry video game nerd with the movie. Yeah. And I, I've never seen that, you know, the movie is terrible. The movie's real bad. Right. And that's the thing. Like, I don't like the skits parts of the the episodes. I just like the playing the games and I like his commentary and his comedy and all that stuff. But like when the game is done and it's like, Hey, now we're going to do our thing over here. If that's what the movie is, then I'm like, no, I don't want to watch that for an hour and a half. You know? Now I, and maybe it's just because of where my proclivities lie when it comes to these sort of things. I liked um, the horror movie, when he would do horror movie games, like when he would do like the Nightmare on Elm Street one, the Friday the 13th one is a really good one. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Atari 2600 Texas Chainsaw Massacre game. And he would do like these linking segments of them. Like one would lead into the next, into the next, into the next. Yeah. And it was kind of like a cool cliffhangery thing. Um, but those ones I really liked because he would incorporate the skits into the gameplay. And I think a lot of those are my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was the benefit. I was going to say, that's the benefit of when I was able to binge them. When you yeah. had those connective episodes, I was yeah. able to do them all in one shot, you know, but uh, like I said, it was cool meeting him. He was cool. I got the pick the Mark photo, which I like, I'm going to, I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you of the poster I got later on. Um, but yeah, so I left RetroCon. Uh, great show. Um, I spent half the money that I was planning on spending because I was going to buy because uh, I bought the Optimus and I was like, oh, there's a masterpiece Starscream figure that I've kind of wanted for a couple years, and I saw somebody had it, and it's like they're selling it for retail, and I I have this money that I was going to spend, and then the the good angel Adam showed up on my shoulder and said, no. <laughs> You only kind of want that Starscream, Adam. Isn't there things on your eBay watch list that you really want? (laughs) And I said, yes, Angel Adam, you're right. Why should I buy something that I kind of want just because I'm at a toy show? I have this extra money, so I need to buy something that I definitely want. And Joe, I got home and I clicked buy. Actually, I clicked accept offer. On something that I've wanted for many months since it was announced, and I am proud to say, coming to your phone now, I am now the owner of the Unmatched Series 6 Chase Mr. Brody Lee suited figure. Oh, get out of town. Yeah. Uh, they are. They were on eBay 
maybe a month or two ago, but much like any chase, you know, they're super expensive. And then now we know that targets are getting a lot more AEW figures. So a lot of the chases are coming out. So the prices are coming down. Uh, I got it for a really good price. So, you know me, I got to get, uh, I'm now a complete when it comes to the Brody chases, all four of them. Technically, if you count all the versions, um, funny enough, I still don't own the non chase version of this. Uh, I'm not willing to spend $34 or whatever on ringside when if I just wait a couple months, I'll eventually stumble upon one for 20 you know? Right. Um, but I'm glad you uh, – and you found that one at RetroCon as well? No, what I was saying Oh, is, that was an eBay one. Yeah, because, okay. I, because I didn't blow all of my money at RetroCon, I was able to come home and without any, like – weight on my conscience buy this technically with retrocon money does that make sense i know yes. it makes sense in my mind yes yes all right so have I, you added this have you added the star the star scream that you passed up to your ebay watch list so that you can say next time nah you know what because it's not when i was looking for this optimus um like real quick side story uh three years later they did the same figure but in plastic um i think it was for actually five years later because it was like the 25th anniversary and it's relatively similar packaging uh enough that i was confused by its existence for a while but like it's it's a anniversary optimus plastic and then i guess they made a starscream around that time as well around the same size but also plastic so i didn't know about these when they first came out either i wasn't collecting and or we didn't have twitter we didn't have podcasts so it, sometimes things just came out and went and you never knew about it you know so the starscream i don't have this sentimentality that i do to that optimus because i've been looking for that optimus for 20 years the starscream i learned about maybe three years ago i'll still buy it one day but not enough to put it on a watch list you know gotcha um but i i can't imagine what your watch list on ebay looks like and i can't imagine how many watch lists it's put you on <laughs> you know what i might do uh somebody let me know if you want to be my co-host for a Patreon exclusive show where we just go down my eBay watch list and I explain the mentality behind all of it. Because mm-hmm. I have a lot of stuff on here and I don't want I wouldn't bore you with this podcast and I wouldn't want you on that same list. So uh, somebody want somebody else that feels like they might not get canceled uh, want to be on that episode. Let me know. But, I uh, listen. I have no problem of us somewhere down the line. Not today. Yeah, doing no, I, a doing a Patreon bonus show of us going over what's on our eBay watch list. I okay. got no problem in talking about mine. Yeah. Well, yours is probably all Pokemon or uh, or Toxic Crusader, like dad stuff, kid stuff. <laughs> no, it's actually it's it's actually stuff for me. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Um. All right. Before we wrap this up. I bought that Brody Lee figure. I said, all right, all of my spending is done. I went to that toy show. I haven't bought anything online in uh, like a week, so I've been good. Uh, (laughs) I was like, there's nothing else imminent on the horizon. I am done, and I relaxed. And then I remembered that it was at the time it was September 9th, and I said, oh, fuck. 
Today is Star Wars Day in San Francisco at the San Francisco Giants game, and I need that goddamn a Mandalorian Funko Pop that they're giving out to the first like 10,000 people. Uh, so I went on eBay and I monitored the sales of that all day and I bought the first one that came up at a good price. So uh, that was the last thing I bought though, Joe, because <laughs> I needed it because it's a baseball stadium giveaway and it's the Mandalorian and I needed it. Uh I needed it, Joe. Okay, I will say if he wasn't holding the bat, that's a really cool uh, paint job on that Mando. Well, he needs the bat because it's a baseball giveaway. I guess. Yeah, but uh, those become hard to find because, number one, like I said, they give them to people at the stadium. But how many people gently handle a Funko box throughout their day at a ball game? You know, like... You're going to be eating, you're going to be drinking, you're going to be sweating. Like you, I know uh, somebody posted the video of it in the Discord the other day of uh, the person who goes into stores and just gently peels up the corner on the box of all the Funko Pops. That, w- that was Ed posted that because he wants to meet the guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, the... the even though they make whatever, 5,000 of them, 10,000 of them, you got to assume half of them are just thrown in people's purses or backpacks. Or, or right, opened you know. right then and there. Yeah, open right there and given to their kid that's next to them and wasted. But uh, I needed one. I'm uh, I'm com- relatively complete on my Mando Funko. So. And, and I know you have the feelers out for me um, for the Toxic Avenger Funko Pop. Yep. Uh, once it's still technically as of right now, isn't a thing. It does not exist. What we've seen is a mirage, but that's just because uh, New York hasn't announced their exclusives yet. Uh, should be any day now. Probably gotcha. this coming week. But right I, I, I opened my Funko Pops. I don't keep them in the box. Ah, oh, blasphemy. You're a mint on card boy. Why are you ruining Funkos? You can't put a box on a wall. That's stupid. <laughs> you never heard of shelves? I don't have... My shelves, my shelves are taken up by books. Get rid of those books. Books ain't helping nobody. All right, <laughs> All right but yeah, that's it for me. Uh, big week. Had fun at RetroCon. <laughs> Let's get out of here, Joe. Yeah, one of these years I'm gonna have to go. Um, I'll have to be more mindful. Um, to go. I think my kid would have fun there too. But uh, yeah. Uh, so hey, everyone, thanks very much for listening. Uh, this was episode 259 of At Odds with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying be safe out there and enjoy some wrestling. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.